Welcome to Cracks in the Foundation with Tallulah Rose. A phrase I hear often is, we are all one. We are all connected. And while I do wholeheartedly believe that, I think there is something missing. If we believe that everything and everyone is connected, then why do we try so hard to separate our beingness? Why must we exhale science in order to breathe in art? Why is the idea of work and life so disjointed that we feel we must categorize and compartmentalize our very existence if we truly believe that we are all connected? We limit the possibilities of connections within the structures of our schools and move into boxes that keep our minds narrow while fed the ideas that we must stick to our chosen identities. But when you look at the research, I mean, it shows time and time again that the ones that make the largest innovations are the ones that refuse to be taken out of that conduit of connectivity. We write it off as a rare thing, as if It's impossible, and we continue to build our education on a foundation designed to keep us as factory drones. Something that was established to churn out loyal workers during the Industrial Revolution. And if you truly believe we're all connected, then maybe it's time to begin breaking down the very identities that you're so conditioned to believe keep you separate. I mean, Jamie and I talked about this last week, about this kind of evolution of identity, and like we don't have to hold those identities anymore. And... We can focus on evolution and essence rather than deciding what makes you you. And there's no fixed identity, I guess is my meaning of all of this. And a lot of that comes down to, I I don't believe in education. Let me rephrase that. I don't believe in the education systems that we have established to build a culture of socialized individuals that are not unlike a cog in a machine. And I don't believe in an education system that focuses on rule following over mind expansion, a system that has become so obsessed with itself that it would rather send children into the prison system than help children learn emotional awareness, compassion, critical thinking. It just kind of gives up on children because they are not the fitting factory worker that the education system is trying to make. If you follow the rules and do everything that they say, you will become that loyal factory worker. And then you kind of lose that critical thinking aspect of humans. And you that's why we have this struggle of you can't achieve more and more. You don't seem to grow outside of what you have been given. And that's why there's this huge gap in in classes right now. I mean, I worked as a special needs assistant teacher for a few months and my sister was working as a correctionals officer at a prison. And the entire time, all I was learning was how much like prison the education system really is. I mean, I would experience my day and then hear her day and the correlations were just too stark that I didn't want to believe it even. And it's not that a school itself is inherently evil or wrong. I think it has a lot to do with this education system's root um, in religion, actually. That was what classes were originally created for. I mean, to get scripture to the masses, to show children how to behave under God's will. As things progressed and the Industrial Revolution began and people moved away from farms and into cities, I mean, that education system followed suit. 
And to critique the education system would be a critique on the very nature of our existence. I mean, because the education system is just like this extension of humans creating a method to control others. It seems like that's all we really know how to do, and we just keep making new systems of control. We develop these rule books to tell us how we are meant to live and exist on this plane because we're so uncomfortable with not having structure. And education is kind of the new religion. And we're using the same system that was developed in the 20th century, but with new gadgets, which is founded on this concept of anxiety-induced learning, rigid rule-following, and putting people into such a state of sheep-like consciousness. And we wonder why anxiety is skyrocketing, why the gaps in wealth are increasing, why the more people that go to college, the less people seem to be making money. And on top of all of that, we have a prison system that looks almost identical to the inner workings of a school. Instead of meeting children where they are and showing support and compassion, we make this zero policy rule that seem to only get acted upon for certain children as a way to send them into prison pipeline at a young age. And some, I mean, some argue this is due to shortages of resources and others say it isn't even a problem at all and it's saving the other students. And quite frankly, I just see it as a societal attachment to control. And there are even some arguments that the elite tried to establish reform in order to generate patronage workers and construction contracts and using education to create workers that are loyal to the companies, which is what I mentioned about this like factory drone kind of thing. Um, and yeah, they create these workers that are loyal to the companies that really don't possess the skills or mindset to break out of that routine. They're essentially workhorses that don't realize they're being controlled. And just like money, which I've mentioned before, education is not the problem. The problem is how we utilize it. And John Dewey, if you feel like looking him up, um, he was someone that actively fought against a typical education system, setting up laboratory schools to promote like this command of self in learning. Um, these laboratory schools were more focused on creating critical thinking and learning what in your own way rather than a standardized system. He really wanted democracy in the schools. And I mean, I'm not gonna get into details. My purpose is not to go through the entire history and atrocities of the education system. Cause I mean, quite frankly, there's a lot and there's a lot of resources on it. So if you wanna look it up, I encourage you to do so. Cause it's astounding. Um, my purpose though is to kind of bring attention to the ways in which modern education system is promoting those self-limiting beliefs and essentially teaching us to stay below our potential, right? And that attention, maybe you'll feel called to research this and maybe relearn what education means for your experience here on the this old earth here. Um, because a lot of people ask me like, why I don't continue higher education? Like I am someone that excelled really well in school, in a structured school system, and why not continue on to get a PhD? And this is my thought. <laughs> if da Vinci can excel without a proper education system, if all the scientific breakthroughs, the math, the language, the art, can all have been birthed into this world without our modern education system, why do I need to take out a loan that I will be paying for the rest of my life to be told what books I need to read and what my identity needs to be. And 
Because for me, that's the true atrocity of schooling. It places identities on us that teaches us that those identities are rooted in achievement and push us to believe that we are bound to these identities, that they are this weight sewn to our backs that we must carry to every phase of life. It feels like we have our identities across our forehead in permanent ink. And like if you have trouble getting good grades as a child, you're now a bad learner. You are now bad at math or English or science. You are labeled as such and are then allotted certain opportunities based on that identity. Like if you're bad at math, a lot of people are going to tell you not to go to college to be a scientist because they associate certain personality traits with that identity of bad at math or whatever you want to call it. Um, and if you're bad at test taking, I mean, you're probably not going to be able to go to law school and on and on. And I mean, that's just identity based on like school output, which is just really the tip of the iceberg. And I'm only going to focus on that right now. I mean, we get told identities we must hold through relationship identities, personality types, jobs, sex, race, blah, like everything. Um, <laughs> and it's so hard to detach and shed from all these identities. We're shown from a very young age that these stick to us like leeches. And we are shown that even though we say people can change, the vilification of those that have fallen and placed in a perpetual system of atonement tells us otherwise. I mean, if we say people can change, then why is it that if someone does something that society deems as bad, we kind of create this system that means that they can't come out of it. I mean, prison, like it's always on your permanent record. So then you don't get jobs and then you're just put back into the system. So there is really no redemption for that. And to shed an identity is kind of this idea this act of rebellion against life. And I honestly fucking love it. <laughs> I mean, I've written down every identity that I feel has been placed on me over the years, because for most, I mean, identities are projected onto us rather than decided by us. And I wrote through these projections and I wrote why I was that identity and then also why I am not that identity. And this has kind of made me think a lot about what I guess I'm gonna call the ritual of contradiction. And I believe that this ritual of contradiction, meaning that we can take something, we can take a piece of existence, like your experience on this plane, and you can put it in this crystal. And the crystal itself, I would say, is the crystal of contradiction, okay? And then you can see how it refracts and you get to see all these different refractions and angles and contradictions of each other. So then you can kind of pull it out and then decide, okay, who do I wanna be? What essence do I wanna hold based on this contradiction? And I think it's very easy to get into this idea that the contradiction has to make the decision itself. And that goes into this art piece that I've made that duality is a mistake. And that's kind of how I've always felt, but it's been really hard to identify how to speak on that and show that to others because, yeah, <laughs> I think the ritual of contradiction, like it's this gift given to us to constantly negate the various structures of society. 
So it keeps us grounded in our pursuit of learning through experience. So we become attached to that contradiction as an act of duality. So things must be either or. I mean, how many times have you heard like light versus dark, good versus evil, um, love versus hate? And like everything has an opposite, supposedly. And I don't feel that way. Um, And this really came about when I was asked, what is the opposite of love? And now some people say hate is the opposite of love and some people say indifference. And for me, it's not a word, it's a feeling. Um, I see love as expansion and I see the opposite as this kind of introspection or contraction Um, taking away, not removing, but like minimizing versus expanding. And then I started realizing that that is everything. Everything is either expansion or contraction. Exhale versus inhale. And I think the inhale and exhale that we live moment to moment is where this contradiction starts and this ritual starts because we don't have to think about it. We just breathe and we exist. But now we create these opposing forces and everything else that we think that that, they are determining factors in everything in life, that we have to make decisions based on what we think are good or bad. But the whole process is needed. You need to exhale and inhale to be able to live. So the ritual of contradiction is just a way to gain knowledge and gain new perspectives on your experience. It does not mean that you make decisions from it. I've kind of become obsessed with this idea that there is nothing other than the ritual of contradiction itself. And it's like this mode that we get to use in our little virtual game. Like these goggles we get to put on our character. Um, It's like this mode that, hmm, a mode by which we get to explore the very fabric of our existence instead of making decisions, I would say. And when we move away from this idea that everything has to be balanced, that there's always an opposite, and see that the ritual of contradiction stands alone as itself. We can start to shed these identities and explore something else, something that I want to consider as essence. Like each day I get to wake up and decide what essence do I want to breathe in and live as. And every moment you get to ask yourself that because every moment is a breath. Every inhale is inhaling life, and every exhale is breathing out death. And it's always this rebirth and death, rebirth, death. And I think that is kind of how I'm choosing to live from now on, because that attachment to identity, something that is so external to us that we can't really control because they're just projections of other people's shit onto us. like. You fix this part of me. You make me happy. You make me do this. You make me sad. You're this person and you can't change that because that is your identity. And in all seriousness, we're just mirrors walking around 
bumping into each other, showing each other each other's reflections of self, of an essence that we might not have seen if we didn't bump into that person. We're all just little atoms bumping around, seeing what, <laughs> seeing, hoping something doesn't explode. And I think the first kind of identity that we can all shed is this idea that we have to go into a structured education system to learn and to better ourselves because that's just a lie. <laughs> I know people who have PhDs that are so narrow-minded and have not learned anything. And I know people who haven't made it out of high school and know so much more than I do. And it really is about this connectivity of everything. Like, everything is connected. We don't have to separate based on these identities, based on these classes of subjects that we believe are separate. Like, if you think that art is separate from science, I don't know how to relate to you <laughs> because I personally do not believe that it is separate. Um, I think math is involved with art, which is involved with science, which is involved with English because everything is just systems to better understand our existence as humans. So every subject is just this rapid fire connectivity of everything. And then on top of that, every human is connected. On top of that, everything in nature is connect connected. And yeah, like there is, it just compounds over each other again and again and again. And for me, I, I don't want to hold on to this idea of identity anymore. And it just doesn't make sense. And especially in the school system, it doesn't make sense because there is no rule book to being human. If you tell yourself that and you make these systems of education that there is a structured plan of educating everyone, then you're going to get a lot of people that are left behind. Because yes, there are certain things, ways our brains process information that is common, but I wouldn't say that it's absolute. But we create things in absolute terms so much that there's all of these groups of people that are getting left behind and we don't do anything about it because we think that it's the only way to live. But this was created how many years ago now <laughs> and it's barely changed? And that's the problem with identity is we don't know how to shed it. And I said shed, not shit. I just want to clarify. <laughs> we don't know how to leave behind and remove the skin of identity on a personal level, individually, and on a collective, like systematically. Like government, I, I can't even get into government because that's a whole thing. But. We have all these systems that are clearly not effective, clearly not working, yet we keep telling ourselves that this is the identity of this system and it has to be this way. So the only way I know how to change the collective is to change yourself first. So for me, I've kind of gone through all of these identities and asked myself, do I want to hold this? Do I want someone to come to me and tell me good or bad? Like some people tell me that I'm an artist and I've really had to sit with that and been like, do I want that identity anymore? Do I need to hold that? Because I get so much anxiety about identifying as an artist 
that I don't know if it's worth holding on to anymore. Does that mean I still I won't be doing art anymore? No. I'm still going to do it, but that's an essence that I want to create, and art is a tool for me to create that essence. Doesn't mean it's my identity. Doesn't mean that I am only as worthy as the art I put out because I have that identity of artist. Same thing if I say I'm a writer. I'm not, <laughs> but I am. And I think that's the beauty of living, I guess, or being able to put on these essence jackets and being like, do I want this right now? Yes or no? And if you say no, you can leave it there. It doesn't mean you can't go back and pick it up. It just means it's put aside. And you can put on every essence out there. You are not limited to the things that you get to feel and experience. So you want to make art one day, wonderful. You want to be very feminine one day, wonderful. You want to be very masculine one day, great. Anything that you can think of, any piece of essence, it's the same as emotions. They are very temporary. You can put them on like a jacket <laughs> and take them off whenever you're ready to. And that's the beauty of being a human and learning on this world. The one thing that we all experience is the emotional scale. So maybe write down each emotion and then where do you feel it in your body? How does it show up for you? What is that definition for you? Do you think it's a bad thing to have that emotion? Why do you think it's a bad thing if everyone has the potential of feeling it? Can you get to decide which emotions you choose? Can emotions be an essence of, I want to embody joy today. I want to embody rage. I want to embody love and romance or anything really. Even embodying the emotions that we don't think are that great. I think rage is a much more powerful tool than I did three years ago when I was suppressing it constantly. I was so afraid of having anger and experiencing that rage that I shut everything down and I learned I was disassociating from everything. I was avoiding life. And I think that's what we do when we hold on to these identities. We try to avoid life. We try to avoid being vulnerable because if you don't have an identity and you can slip into anything, that means you actually have to show up. Because if you have the identity that you're lazy, you don't have to commit to yourself. You don't have to devote time to yourself. You don't have to show up as your authentic self because people have labeled you a certain way. So it kind of is a cop-out, but it's also an opportunity to say, hey, I don't want that identity anymore. I'm going to leave it and let it go. And this happens all the time. I mean, if you read, if you want to get into like the science of everything, I really recommend Joe Dispenza books. Um, I can't think of the title, but he has like four at this point. So yeah, I really recommend reading his books because there's a very like psychological aspect to it. And it's basically this idea that like you see who you used to be or identify as, and then you create the person that you 
want to embody moving forward and you can see yourself leaving behind that person, that old self, and creating new systems so that you can embody that new person. And you're really letting go of these limiting beliefs of like, okay, where did I learn this? Where did I learn that I was a lazy person? Because you didn't tell yourself that. You grew up and there were certain things that happened in your life or you were shown certain things that you took that on and you absorbed it and now you're living and thinking that you're lazy and you're thinking you can't do certain things and certain experiences in life are not available to you because of this identity. And then you can, our brains are malleable. Your brain is a muscle that you get to train every day and you get to show up and be like, hey, do I want to change it or do I want to keep it the same? It's up to you. And I'm not saying that like identities are wrong or that we have to drop everything and you can't have one. I'm just saying, if you are so sick of holding on to an identity, if you're so sick of being associated with certain aspects, you don't have to hold on to that. You can choose differently and you can be differently. And there's this connectivity of everything that we are so focused on action here. We are so focused on the masculine energy in life right now that we forget that we can embody things. And it's more about the beingness and receiving, saying, hey, I want to be abundant. I want to receive. I don't want to have to go out and prove myself. You don't have to. There is no ritual on earth that you have to do in order to prove your worth. You just are. <laughs> and when you get to decide that, then your life changes. And I know this is a really roundabout way of talking about education versus now, but I thought the education system was a great place to start because it really is that deep and it is echoing through your entire existence. And you get to look at everything in that like crystal of contradiction. You get to put everything that you've experienced in there and refract all the experiences and refract all the meanings and being like, I choose this little piece of energy and I choose this refraction and I'm gonna pull that out and embody that and leave the rest of the shit behind. So the education system, while I, ha I know it has good intentions and we created it just like money, good intentions, and it was there to kind of elevate society, it's not working anymore. And unfortunately right now, it's your responsibility to choose how you want to move forward because those systems are breaking down. So now you get to show up and say, hey, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to be a part of that. Everything that was taught to me, every limiting belief that the education system gave me, I'm going to leave that there because that's part of the system's projection onto me. That is not my projection of self. And I mean, I could talk about this for hours <laughs> and it's not just the education system. I mean, it's literally everything and things that are marketed to you, companies that offer you products, they're all showing up as if you are not complete without their product, without their system, without their rule, because you are not worthy unless you have this thing or achieve this milestone or get to the next step. And that is the whole function of consumerism because 
consumerism cannot function if you believe that you are whole and worthy as yourself authentically. So let that sink in. <laughs> so there's a lot to um, kind of dig up and uncover. And I just want to use this space as a way to kind of provide the activation for you to look at it yourself and decide the things that you really care about. And for an example, a lot of a long time, <laughs> I kept getting told like that I need to get married, that I need a husband, all these things. My very first job, I was a betting clerk at a racetrack and I would have these old men come up to me and be like, why are you going to college? Why are you working? You should just marry, like you're too pretty to go to college. And I kept hearing that over and over. And it was, I mean, this was like an extreme example. So it was really easy for me to be like, fuck that, no, I'm done. Um, but this was a projection that was very clearly being put on me. And then I started, I got into a relationship and was like, am I supposed to get married to this person? Do I want that? What is happening? And I thought I had all these things because all these girls around me were thinking like they had these plans for their wedding and I've never had that. I've never <laughs> had this thought of like, oh, if I get married, I want to do this, this and this. I've never had that. And I'm not shading anyone who does that. I really respect it if that's what you want. But I had this projection that really made me question like, do I want that identity though? And then and then on top of that, if I said no, then it turned into this other identity of that I was like a scarlet or that I was like going to be a cat mom or all these other identities that go along with not wanting to get married. So I had to kind of look at all those through this ritual of contradiction and be like, well, okay, these are all these identities that people keep listing off about me. Do I have to hold on to any of them? And the answer is no. And every time you do that, then you move a little bit more into your worth and into your authenticity of, oh, this is the essence I want to hold today. I get to be different every single day. I don't have to be the same person. I can be as different as every breath I take. And I think that's pretty awesome. So <laughs> I'm going to leave that today. Otherwise, it's going to get like a little too crazy. Um, yeah. I'd really love to know your thoughts about identity and how you feel about the whole duality is a mistake kind of thing and just anything that's come up for you, I guess. I would love to hear about it. Um, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next time.